Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, June 5th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge and putting the fun in functional sports content. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And if you've been watching us over the last few weeks, you know that nothing will make Kevin happier than having some more meat on the bone in how we are going to return to the NBA. And Kevin, we are hearing more and more about it. I got to give it to you. It, it's, it's very crazy creative okay it's very creative i will say that unfortunately when people are creative you know it opens up the door because you can't please everybody all the time but let's talk about some of the news we are hearing from the nba we're starting to see how it will return to play remember kevin you know a week ago we were talking about everything from all 30 teams continuing the regular season to um, eight in the East and eight in the West to a World Cup-style draw. Well, it seems like none of those ultimately is happening. What it sounds like instead is that we are, by the way, I am going to get my Eastern Conference futures hopefully paid <laughs> out, right? Because the East, it will be nine teams in the East invited to come on back and, you know, resume the season. Right. The eight current playoff teams, along with the Washington Wizards, who were, you know, in essence, within shouting distance. Right. Yeah. And then West, the same thing. The eight playoff teams, along with the teams that were within shouting distance. But in the West, that's five teams, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio and Phoenix. What do you know? We get Zion in. What do you know? We get Dame Dollar in. What do you know? We get Greg Popovich in. What do you know? We get a potential return of John Wall into still going in this with the teams that are coming back. But I think this is very interesting, Kevin. It seems like what we're also going to do is have some runway of about eight regular season games, right? So that addresses the get back into game shape going for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is like if after those eight games happen, if the ninth seed is kind of close enough so that they would have had a beef, they're going to have a play-in tournament. Right. And I think that is very, very interesting. I like how they're doing it almost like conditionality. Right. Like if they're close enough, then we acknowledge you would have a beef because of this truncated season. We'll figure something out about it. All the teams that come back will, in essence, resume their season, but then just skip games against any teams that were not invited. And ultimately, this it looks like is happening in the glorious city of Orlando. Those seem to be some of the main points to me, but you've been covering this and all over it. What else do you think were your big takeaways from uh, what we've heard? Yeah, I think overall, one thing that slightly surprised me, and it even applied to myself, was just the overall positive nature uh, in terms of the feedback with this plan, it's it just the idea of a of the play-in games, the extra teams, and all. Ah, this is wonky. Yeah. This is unnecessary. But overall, I think the feelings were very, very positive. So they they pretty much justified as long as you were X amount of games within uh, distance of right. the eighth seed. I think you it was were four invited games. back. I think it, it might have been a little bit more than four. Maybe, maybe okay. it was six games. It was something along those lines. Sure. But if you're in that range. 
you are allowed back and you will then be able uh, to find yourself having a shot at or getting a chance to compete for that eighth seed. And the way that will work is if the ninth seed Mm -hmm. is four games or less back of the eighth seed, then they will play a play-in game. For the eighth seed. For the eighth seed. However, the way it works, it is single elimination for the ninth seed, right? So the Wizards, let's double just for the East, eight, right? Because it's right, and it's right, double. So if the Wizards are within four games or less of the Magic, mm-hmm. they will then play them, and they need to beat them twice before the Magic can beat them once. And it works for me. It, we're not adding too many games. We're not going to have five different teams in a play-in tournament that doesn't all make sense. I think that number four is justifiable, although quite funny that mm-hmm. currently the Pelicans and Blazers do already meet that threshold. And, and the Kings. Will... And the Kings. Yeah, I mean, sure, the Kings. And listen, look, not, not to give the Kings discredit, right, but basically the idea of if the NBA could pick who gets oh, in, sure. it is one of either the Pelicans or the Blazers, whether mm-hmm. you get Damian Lillard or Zion Williamson, Absolutely. with all due respect to John Moran and De'Aaron Fox. I think, I think it works. I, th- I really do. I, I think it works. I think the eight regular season games mm-hmm. works really, really well. Right. We talked about it, them needing some kind of runway, right? Because we couldn't fast forward straight to the playoffs. Players had concerns about what that would mean in terms of game shape, in terms of, you know, uh, groin pulls and things of that nature. Right. And it's, it's, it's a good amount where it should be enough to kind of get them going, but it's not an insignificant amount. It gives these other teams at the back this chance to push up. But also, Dane, yeah. there's a lot up for grabs in terms of seeding. Oh, yeah. The not last seeds. Pretty much all that solidified is the Bucks are the one seed in the East and the Lakers are the one seed in yeah. the West. Okay, the, uh, the Lakers, I think, have a five-and-a-half game advantage with the Bucks having a six-and-a-half yeah. game advantage. Mm-hmm. Those are impenetrable leads in this gap. And especially, I mean, they have to lose out. I mean, like, four games separate three through seven in the West right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Nuggets are third in the West right now. Seven games behind the Lakers. The Mavericks are seventh. 11 games behind the Lakers. That is just four games with, you know, three teams in between. You talk about the back of the West. You mentioned Portland, New Orleans. I say Sacramento is there. The Spurs are only half a game behind them. And I wonder if every team is playing eight games left, right? What about when they're an imbalanced number, though? You know what I mean? When you have the half games on this. How are they going to figure that out, Kev? I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So the plan for those that don't know is reported by Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports that they are going to go with your next eight games. That's the plan. Right. They're going to go with the next eight games. And you just skip teams. Like, yeah. if you had the Hawks on the schedule, you just exactly. skip them. If a team's not in the playoffs, you'll just skip them. Now, it, in theory, you're like, oh, easy. The problem is, if you get to the Raptors' eighth game, it's mm-hmm. the Bucks who've already played eight before they would get right. to that okay. game. And it is non-negotiable. Nobody's playing nine games. It hmm. is eight games hard. Kevin Pelton of ESPN, who does a great job um, with analytics and finding out things of this nature, uh, took uh, to this schedule and it said with the addition of just three matchups, the eight-format schedule should work, uh, which is the Lakers playing the Blazers, the Blazers playing the Heat, and the mm-hmm. Lakers playing the Magic. I, I Seemingly, basically, if you can add those three games for those three teams, it should then satisfy everything else elsewhere that is what he said I see. Um, 
and Kevin Pelton has enough of a reputation to where I will certainly take him at his word for that. So I no, think I get it. I guess here's my question though, right? Like, for example, the Nets are the seventh seed in the East right now. They're yep. 30 and 34. That's a total of 64 games. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Magic, the eighth seed, they're 30 and 35. That's a total of 65 games. If yep. they both play eight games, right? They can still be a half a game ahead or behind each other. I understand if that happens to be eight, nine cool play-in tournament. But what happens if this happens between the six and the seven seed or the four and the five seed? You know, we haven't, everyone hasn't, you know, played the exact same number of games. Mm -hmm. And then if everyone's going to play eight games from here, we're going to be left with some imbalance and, you know, half a game could be the difference in a seed. No. So, I I mean, I understand the play-in for the bottom, Mm -hmm. but what if it's the difference between, you know, the third and the fourth seed? So it's a good point, Dane, about how they're going to try and, I guess, figure out tiebreakers for, again, the rest of these teams, right? Because as long as you're the ninth seed in that four-game gap, it's really, really simple. Play in tournament, got it. Right. But I think when it comes down to, say, you know, in this example, the – you know, the five and the and the six seed being separated by a half game and then playing an uneven amount of games, I think that's just going to be what it is. Because, one, this was going to be an imperfect process. But if they chose the process of saying, okay, all of you will play 72 games. Let's just call right. it 72 games because that was always a key number that was mentioned quite television. a bit. Um, yes, exactly right, for the television deals. The problem would be some teams would play seven times. Some teams would play five times. And right. – they wanted everybody to play eight times one, I'm sure, for to make their lives easier when it comes to figuring out this schedule. But also, it's to put everybody on a level playing field. We've talked mm. about that throughout this, I think, how everybody wants to try and make this as fair as possible. So everybody, everybody having those eight games in the run-up together, I think, is why, if it's unfortunately separated by a half game, it's just how it's going to be. All right, fair enough. As I look at the standings, you know, there are some very interesting places. If you see the half game, you know, they're not going to be able to make it up right now, right? Even at the top of the East, the Raptors and Celtics are on the half game versus where the Heat are, for example. In the Western Conference, the Clippers are on the half game, Utah, Oklahoma City, and Houston, you know. And one other thing I thought about this this plan that -hmm. I think Silver was smart about, shall we say, One of the things, and I think you heard this as well, one of the fears of the NBA just going straight to the playoffs was the idea, you know, the dirty little secret, Kevin, is that many times the first round of the playoffs is not engaging good basketball, right? You have the the dominant teams and those seven, eight seeds, and they get dump trucked. And, you know, the NBA, I heard, was a little bit worried about their return product being something that is like, meh. So maybe... Having these eight games, right, and the sprint to the finish, you know, for seeding to get in with this potential play-in tournament is also because the product that will be on the court right out the gate is not going to be your, you know, 3 nothing sweep in the first round of the playoffs. It's going to be the excitement of, you know, the stretch run to the playoffs. I think that's a big deal here, too, with these eight extra games. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's why I think this has worked out really nicely for them, because instead of playing a lower level of first round basketball as the first introduction back to the NBA, we might have some of these regular season games come off a bit sloppy. Right. But I tell you right now, if you look at any team's remaining eight games, there's no one where you're going to go, oh, what a cupcake schedule. 
because mm. they're playing all playoff teams for the most right. part. Right, it's only teams that are above the fold anyway. Exactly. Like, unless you somehow drew two Suns games, two Spurs games, right. two Kings games. Well, like it's possible, right? It's, it's possible. But if you look through it, most teams have a relatively, you know, spread out right. slate of games that will remain for them. So they're going to be playoff teams playing playoff teams with stakes. Because, again, I, if you continue to just look for what is up for grabs, I mean, the Heat are less than two and a half games behind the Boston Celtics to say potentially move on to the three line. But the Celtics are right. only three. Of Milwaukee. Of, exactly. Exactly. Of those Toronto Raptors. But also that that applies to Orlando and Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which are only separated by a small margin of a half game, and they don't have to play Milwaukee. All right, absolutely. We'll dig into this more. Maybe strength of schedule for eight games is a huge factor. We'll come back and discuss it even more. It's the early line. We're off and running, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I have been looking at this NBA plan, which it looks like the owners kind of have approved right now. I will say this, though, Kevin, you know, and it's exciting. It's exciting. You know, the the conference odds are back up on FanDuel. It definitely, Kevin, seems like progress is being made, like everybody wants this, and ultimately it will happen. I do have to say this, though. You know, Kevin, I'm reminded of in Major League Baseball, we had a plan, right? We heard about a plan of realignment of divisions, universal DH, you know, um, teams playing in their home markets, right? Mm -hmm. And that was something. But then the money part hit and it all went to hell, right? In the NHL, we've seen and we're excited about this 2014 playoff, the World Cup style of it all. We were excited about it. We even looked at the first round matchups, but we still have not heard about the agreement on sharing the losses, right? Um, in soccer leagues, you know, Ronaldo came out early being like, I'll, 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 I'll give up 20 million. But then when it was actually what the split was, it became a stumbling block. I want to draw your attention here to an article I shared with you, Kev, um, by, um, who was by Bobby Marks, you know, who you've considered like a legitimate, obviously, you know, behind the curtain kind of writer. And I always say this, Kev, right? When we hear good news, there's always like a little blurb, like, but they'll still, the the association, the union will still have to ratify it, right? Mm -hmm. So this speaks to the fact that the owners have agreed on the proposal to send to the players. And I'm with you, you know, we've talked about Chris Paul and Silver have a nice little relationship. They went to each other's weddings, whatever the case may be, right? They're on a banana boat together, whatever it is, Mm. right? But- just just give me a reaction to this, because Bobby Marks still says that once in this agreement is in place and we believe yeah. that the owners have it, right, it will still be sent 
to the Players Association. And you know how I always say the devil is in the details. It says the current collective bargaining agreement with the split of BRI, which is, you know, basketball related income right now is 5149, something that was, you know, a big sticking point in the last labor negotiation. Mm -hmm. That split is not going to be the case with this lost revenue in the same way that baseball realized no fans and blah, blah, blah. I got to be honest with you, Kevin, I'm encouraged, okay? If you want to put it on a confidence meter, sure. But I still don't know about this part. And for me, you know, we've talked about it, right? The logistics, the health, the money, all mm. aspects that have to be figured out. And I'm all happy about what we're seeing in formats. But what are you hearing or have we heard or, or what's your confidence or what do we know yeah. about the money split? Because that is still, in my opinion, uh, to be determined. Yeah, so it, it would be it would be ridiculous to look at the times that we are in, look at the way the this has been working for these leagues, and to think that any conversation that is going to be had around money would be insignificant. What I have always kind of said, and what I still believe, is when you compare where the NBA is to the rest of the teams, or the rest of the leagues rather, right. it's not close. Baseball okay. does not have a set amount of games or their money figured out. NHL, oh, they've got a playoff format. They don't have a location right. or maybe their money necessarily figured out. At least the NBA, know. right. The NBA has given us a significant portion of the pie, as you will, right? Sure. But the money is what makes the pizza work, right? Yeah. Otherwise, they just – and 100% that is a real thing. Uh, and the things that they're going to probably have to figure out is just like – um, you know, okay, so this team played X amount of games. How does that work to them getting these checks? Uh, right. How are we going to be splitting up these checks as well? Yeah. Checks what about these eight teams that aren't invited to Orlando? How are they honoring their TV contracts? Are all the other teams going to have to revenue share and help them out? You know, yeah. I, that's interesting. There's, there's certainly going to be other pieces that the thing is, this is what I think might be a little bit different. Those other pieces are, I would label boring realistically right like we would never hope to lead shows talking about how they're going to figure out satisfying right. tv contracts for the worst eight teams in basketball right. right and i think when you look at the way the nba has gone about this and you look at the overwhelming support that has existed for everything adam silver has done in this process again before the plan was ever officially announced, they mm -hmm. said it's going to pass almost unanimously. Right. And then before the plan was supposed to even make its way for the vote, they were right. like, hey, here's the plan. Because the confidence level in what they're doing is so high. They right. now have, in essence, two months to iron these things out. And I think to expect anything other than them to iron those things out, for me, would be shocking. It's not a 0% chance that okay. things can go awry. Of course things can go awry. We're talking about money. Right. We're talking uh, about <laughs> right. money in a time like this. Right. Of course. But also, I think we've seen it throughout this process, just how true the idea of them working together actually is. Yeah, I think that's fair, Kevin. You know, I'm going to always hold out with my cynical, skeptical self because, you know, if we use the baseball example, right? We didn't, as the public, right, when I talk about like how the sausage is made, them airing out their grievances on Twitter and things of that nature, we didn't, you and I, 
didn't really know about that. That wasn't a headline. That wasn't something we talked about until Blake Snell popped off, mm. right? And what I'm all I'm saying, you said there's two months now to iron out the details, right? Mm-hmm. I'm saying that I probably believe that at some point in that month, let's say, there's going to be an NBA player somewhere that voices a concern, that voices something about why this doesn't work for them in the same way Blake Snell did, right? What will happen after that? I don't know. (laughs) You know what I'm just saying? You know, this is very encouraging. Absolutely, Kevin. But remember, technically... In the process, all this is is the owners agreeing on the proposal to send to the players. <laughs> I, <laughs> right? I look forward to the day before tip off when I'm yep. like, Dane, yep, you want to do picks for the game? And you're kind of like, I don't know. I'm gonna have to wait for this game to tip off. Fair enough. If there's a game. Fair enough. And I look forward to the day where, you know, Brooke Lopez or any of the players is like, oh, wait a second. I ain't taking this haircut, and then we're going to have to talk about it. And whenever, if that ever happens, it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, I've been talking about my Eastern Conference uh, futures bets, right, for a while. And, and I want to get your just, just pure math, right? Like, there are now in the West, okay, in the West, there are technically 13 Teen teams that can still technically win the Western Conference. I mean, FanDuel is hanging odds all the way down to the Phoenix Suns, right? Mm-hmm. Granted, it's 221,000 to one, but they're yeah. still technically viable. In the East, however, there are nine teams, right? The eight playoff teams and the Wizards that are technically viable. I know, Kevin, when we do the um, the divisions, right, and you talk about how you have to look at divisions comprehensively, Right. And if one goes up, you got to think the other ones go down. So when you're looking at this pot, right, of the conference odds, isn't it kind of harder just to pick the Western Conference? I get it. Like, you don't think that, oh, New Orleans is going to make this dream run. But by definition, the fact that there are five other options there, Mm. doesn't that kind of depress um, everybody's odds? Like, I look at the Lakers, they're plus 165 as the favorite. That's longer odds than they were before. You know, the, the idea that, you know, the Spurs are just involved. They have to take that share of that 1% chance. They have to pull it a little bit from everybody, right? So yeah. talk to me about just the fact that there's now 13 in the West and nine in the East that are still viable for the championship. Does that imbalance bother you at all in terms of the sports investment world? Um, No, I mean, I think if anything, you could maybe say that this will create a little bit of opportunity because if they have to start pricing teams that have no chance to win the conference and it gives us better odds than on the teams that are likely to win the Uh conference, it gives us... So maybe a little bit of extra value on the true, unlike, example, the Clippers. Right, just on teams that you typically, there would be no reason to give them worse odds. They should only be going in the other direction, up, becoming more likely to win the title. I think the one thing I will say is, though, there, to me, is a jarring gap between the Pelicans and the rest of these teams. I mean, yeah. if you take a look at the odds to win the Western, Western Conference, Conference odds, yes. Yeah. I mean, the Pelicans, who sit in the 10th seed right now, yep. are 65 to 1. The, the, Blazers, the Blazers, who sit in the 9th seed, mm-hmm. are 90 to 1. I mean, and the Pelicans really- have about half the chance of like the Grizzlies, who are currently in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, the group is about 11,000. And I think some of that is probably them um, 
probably trying to prepare for people to bet on the Pelicans. Mm -hmm. I think it's also related to the strength of schedule because the Pelicans were always supposed to have the easiest schedule remaining of the teams in the hunt, and the Grizzlies Mm -hmm. were always supposed to have the hardest schedule remaining of these teams in the bunch. And I, I know they have to price odds. My thing is, Dane, I don't think I can really find any room to bet any of these teams in terms of winning the West mm-hmm. because they're playing the Lakers round one. Right. And whoever that would be, right? Right. I just, is that worth it? I'm hopeful that maybe we get a, you know, like a mini kind of futures of who will be the eighth seed in the West right, right, kind right. of bet. And there you can try and, and pick your spots with it. Because for me to put, you know, even on the Pelicans, if you think it's them, 65 to 1 odds. Mm -hmm. Okay, but now they're playing the Lakers. Now what? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. And I got to tell you the God's honest truth, because we've been talking about this for weeks now, right? And think about some of these teams that have legitimate players coming back who may be available, who weren't before, specifically on these kind of uh, within shouting distance teams, Mm right? Right. I think about Portland, the big man in the middle, Nurkic, he's going to be ready to roll. That's a legitimate change for the Portland Trailblazers. We know about Zion being added, right, you know, and what the Pelicans are. I think about in the East, the Washington Wizards, you know, potentially having John Wall there. Which of these teams do you think is, like, the most improved since the first week of March? Mm. So if Wall came back, it'd be the Wizards. Right. Keep saying he's not going to come back. I don't know why. I just, I wish he'd come back because it'd be really cool to see John Wall back. I think the Blazers of all of these teams, Uh I just, there's this belief that I have in them in not only Damian Lillard, but the return of Nurkic and the return of Zach Collins. The only thing is, I mean, Nurkic hasn't played all season. So now here Nurkic is playing in eight and ten regular season, season games. A lot of these guys, in essence, haven't oh, sure. played all season. You know, it's been a three-month gap for them. Let me give you a quick caveat. Go ahead. There, it is not, a, seconds, it is not crazy that the Grizzlies don't play in the play-in game. Yeah, I think that's possible. You know, a no- multitude of teams are nipping at their heels, all of which are teams we're saying may be better than the incarnation that they were three months ago. Very interesting. We are not done. We got other headlines to discuss. It's a big time in the sports world. Can you see what it's going to be like when we all come back? We're going to be here to give you the edge. Come on back. It's the early line. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin, going around the world of sports, trying to make some money off of it. Kevin, my Eastern Conference futures are back live. I am excited about that. Honestly, Kev, I've got the Celtics and the Heat. Okay, both at around eight to one. Um, And if as I look at the numbers now, the kind of revamped 
Eastern Conference odds. They're right there. The Celtics were the third choice. They're now the second choice. So I'm encouraged by that. The Heat are still the fourth choice at plus 850. I got them at mm, plus 750. So I guess their odds are a little bit longer, whereas I got the Celtics at plus 850, and they're now 7-1. to one. So it's moved in a positive light on them. But we also have to talk about one of the biggest headlines here. Uh, it's coming out of the NFL. Okay, um, obviously, everybody knows the kind of um, the amount of unrest that there is in this country. And we are a sports show, so we're not going to go too far into that. If you want to hear more, you could always hear more from the vocal minority on Fantasy Freestyle. But I digress. Um, one of the biggest players in the league, okay, Drew Brees, who, by the way, you know, we know his politic. He has been pictured uh, with our president. There's been talk about political aspirations for the man. But he came out, you know, has always been a staunch defender of, like, police and the military. And he had a comment. Uh, yesterday, pretty much, you know, when asked about Colin Kaepernick and his protests um, years ago, in yeah. essence, and I'm paraphrasing here, Drew Brees said, you know, I'll never agree with someone who was disrespecting the flag. You know, and I think it's interesting that he continues even now to take this, make this connection, yeah. right, that the idea of kneeling is disrespecting the flag, is disrespecting our military. Meanwhile, you have soldiers, men and women of the armed forces saying, no, 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 that's backwards. In fact, we fight for your right to protest, but I digress. And then, Kevin, there was a ton of backlash. Okay, mm -hmm. Drew Brees from his own teammates, Malcolm Jenkins, a new saint, you know, very involved with the Players Association, very involved with the Kaepernick protests. His wide receivers, Michael Thomas, had something to say. Manny Sanders had something to say. A lot of, you know, Aaron Rodgers, another quarterback, saying that, like, this was never about the flag, never about the anthem. It's about the point on police brutality. This is very, very interesting to me, Kev. I mean... They're not going to cut Drew Brees, okay? We know that. But, I mean, you know, acrimony in the locker room about this could be a problem. Is this, like, a really big deal, a sort of big deal, or not that really a big deal at all? I believe, no, Dane, he's got to go. Because from what we know is if you create distractions, no, I kid. Okay. Oh, okay. The, like, the hypocrisy. I was the like, whoa, whoa, maybe I should move up James Winston on my AEP list. The hypocrisy that is out there right now yeah. is shining very, very bright. But I want to I mention a couple of things that are very, very important. And I think one is seeing the drastic difference. Now, again, we are not anywhere near fully crossing where we need to be, right? But there are actual changes that are being made, and even in very, very small ways. The opinion, not opinion, what Drew Brees said right. was at one point when Colin Kaepernick doing uh, the, the kneeling protest was widely accepted. Everybody absolutely, oh, yes, of course, Drew Brees, great. That's what it is. You got it. And now you move forward four years later, some odd, and that is a controversial thing to say because it is wrong. It is now something that is met with pushback. It is now something that is pointed at, acknowledged, and divides people. And more importantly, it divides people. And Drew Brees finds himself, in my opinion now, in the minority of how people actually feel towards all of this, especially because of the times that we live in now. But people might still be saying, because I saw some of the conversation out there yesterday, Drew Brees is being patriotic. Drew Brees yeah. is just offering his 
opinion. Wrong? Wrong. It is not an opinion. He is offering misinformation. Call it what it is. It's a lie. Colin Kaepernick is protesting police brutality, period, to, to try and suggest that he is disrespecting the military is so preposterous, proven by a simple fact that is available for all, for anybody that actually wants to be informed, which is that the idea to kneel was given to him by a Green Beret. Yes, someone actually in the military. It's not an opinion that you can have that he is disrespecting the military. It's a lie. It is something that exists to discredit the actual positive change that Colin Kaepernick was trying to bring forth. And the idea of patriotism is so BS that people offer, that they are so caught up in these symbols and have no actual interest in doing what is necessary to create the real change that patriotism is supposed to be about. Patriotism is not just wrapping yourself in a flag and talking about people that used to serve. Because newsflash, black people have also served in the military. They have also been a part of the armed forces. There is actual change that is happening in this country that is very, very necessary. And anybody that is suggesting that, that those kneeling protests that took place during the national anthem were disgracing and disrespecting the armed forces and the national anthem is lying. And it will not be accepted. And that is evident by the blowback that which Drew Brees rightfully received. You know, Kevin, I got to tell you something, man. Um, we've been doing this show together. We've worked together, you know, for a year or so. When you talk about the change that's happening, when you talk about the times that we are living in, for everybody out here watching, part of this change is the fact that what just happened came out of Kevin's mouth and not mine, okay? That is a big difference, okay? I could be the spitting statistician, the vocal minority, and that's one thing. But when my compadre on the other screen, who looks like he does, instead of me, who looks like and talks like I do, when Kevin is saying that, brother man, I think that is a big representation of the change you are talking about. I'm gonna tell you right now, this is not new for me, bro, okay? This is not new for me. Have I had police rough me up? Yes, I have in my life, okay? But the fact that young people are coming out in droves about this, the fact that it is not only people of color that are advocating for this, you know, I think we have a confluence of a perfect storm happening right now in a number of levels, okay? When you have a Me Too movement going on, right? Activism is happening, and I think the other thing here, Kev, is, we got camera phones and social media, okay? So some of the things that maybe only me and people who looked like me saw and dealt with and knew as a reality, now everyone is starting to realize is in fact the reality. You know, a lot of the times we see on the, in social media or whatever, it's like, can you hear us now? Always, but we're saying the same exact thing that we have been saying for years. It's just now being broadly digested in a different way. And I'll also add the fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic where tens of millions of people are out of work, are pissed off, and are just staying at home watching it all is a very, very interesting dynamic.
that we have here, Kevin. I am when you talked when you just talked, I am literally heartened by it, not because of your position. It's the, it's the damn right position in my opinion, but the fact that it is now so easy uh, for a young white man like yourself to say it so clearly, I think that's the change, Kevin. Yeah, and I just it's this this really needs to become the normal. Uh, I think, and and I will take a chance to, if if you are white and you are watching this, please understand that this should not be a hard position for you to take. And if you don't get it, I implore you to listen to what is being said with an open mind and try and understand that you are not being attacked. We are just trying to create a positive change. And if you do get it, okay, if you do get it, you are likely still around those who don't. Hmm. Talk to them, call them out and tell them that it is an unacceptable mindset because there's there's just there's no there's no world for this. That's it. You you cannot look at the state this country and still choose to openly not understand why Colin Kaepernick took that knee. It's unacceptable. I hear you, brother man. I hear you. Let's see. You know, I think um, the sides are being redrawn, right? It's not like young, old, black, white. I think you articulated it beautifully, Kevin. It's those who get it. And those who get it could be white, black. You could be a police officer and get it. And those who don't. And you could be, you know, a, a, a person of color and not get it. Um, so I think you are absolutely right um, in terms of describing it in that way. I do want to ask you, though, because, you know, Kevin, our job is to make people money, right? Mm -hmm. So I saw our friend Jared Smith yeah. actually put on Twitter the Saints win total, yeah. uh, which is at nine and a half. Um, is this going to be a big deal? Is this going to be a big deal for the Saints, competitively speaking? Or is Mike Thomas still going to just get his five-yard slants and take him to the house? So, initially, right, I see Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Tweet, Ooh, dot, dot, dot. And now that is a very subtle shot that you see and you know exactly what, what it pertains to. The thing is, though, the Saints this season made the very smart decision of bringing in a great football player, but also a great person in Malcolm Jenkins. And Malcolm Jenkins is not here for your subtweets. Malcolm Jenkins is here to let you know that you need to shut the F up because you're, make, you're, you're making an ass out of yourself. And right. it's an un, once again, it's an unacceptable position to have. Now, Drew Listen, Brees... We've seen people in the locker room have issues with less kind of high stakes things than this, Kevin. You mm -hmm. know, and we've mm -hmm. seen, you know, we were going to downgrade the Houston Astros this year because of like the turmoil that they would be facing, you know, kind of an emotional thing, not about skills or play on the field. Yeah. Is that going to translate to the Saints or are we just, you know, in this kind of um, uh, sensationalized time where this is, you know, the, the big story of the news cycle? So I think that, you know, we've seen Drew Brees apologize. I think it is more likely than not. Not that not that it blows over, more so that it doesn't escalate to a point where Drew Brees retires early. Because if there was any quarterback that could just retire and go do something else, it's yeah. him, right? Fair. I don't think it's going to escalate to that point. But if you don't think that when Drew Brees sees his teammates for the first right. time, if you think they're going to forget, oh, and if you think the other teams mm -hmm. aren't going to be talking the entire time. Yep. See, because the thing is, I, quite funny enough, 
as this now pertains to Colin Kaepernick, people always said that Colin Kaepernick would be this massive distraction to his teammates, but people actually like being around Colin Kaepernick. People are not going to like being around Drew Brees all that much. He's got a long way to go. Yeah. And it's a lot more than just an Instagram caption. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. We've heard things about, you know, one of the Bozes in San Francisco in the same way. You know, locker room is full of a lot of different peoples with a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different colors. It's going to be very interesting because that's the way our country is right now. We'll be back with more after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, everybody, welcome back in. It's the early line giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Kevin and I were talking previously about how maybe there's edges now to be had in the Eastern or the Western Conference playoffs because of, you know, 13 on one side, nine on another. We talked a little bit about kind of the, um, you know, the issue at Drew Brees coming out in front. He has since sent out an apology. Maybe, uh, you know, some of the backlash he got, he took to heart. Um, whether the question is whether he's apologizing because of the backlash of because of what he truly now believes in his opinions is a different topic for a different show. However, Kevin, you know, for weeks now, we have been comparing the um, progress and tone of the NBA negotiations with those over on Major League Baseball. We have to update that as well, because what has happened, remember, we discussed this. The players sent off a counter-proposal, right? With the expanded playoffs, the 114 games, the deferment, the opting out, all of those things. We covered that earlier in the week. Uh, MLB says, nope, we ain't going for that. And, Kevin, that they do not expect to deliver another proposal. And that's where it's interesting to me, right? They gave their salvo, nope. Players came back, nope. So to me, Kevin, it sounds like we're heading down the path of what we discussed yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that now Manfred, if there is after the quote unquote good faith back and forth, he as the commissioner has the power to deliver a regular season schedule, the playoff schedule. That's where we talked about the 50 games, it looks like that's maybe where we're headed now, Kev. Yeah, it's um, man, it's crazy. This 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 whole baseball stuff. Like, I just wish, I wish there could there could be some. You know, as much as you and I have gone back and forth, right, about yep. where the NBA is or where MLB right. is, I want there to be baseball. Like, ideally, like they figure I'm this whole thing out. That you want there to be baseball, yes. <laughs> um, you know, despite how much I I down talk what they would do, I guess the. I just it's what's what's really, really tough for me, Dan, is to figure out like what has to happen to make this work. Cause I, you know, again, like, you know, I mean, we think about this stuff all the time, right? Um, whether it be just for the show or just as genuine fans of the sports, like and one side wants one fourteen and prorated, and the other side is like, no, here's eighty two non prorated. And it's like the gap is so massive that I've you know, and it is like you know, you made a big point. I don't know if it was, it was yesterday or two days ago's um, show with the fact that Rob Manfred at some point can just kind of be like, look, this is what, we're, it doing. Is. This is what we're doing. Yep. And 
I don't know, man. The more I start to think about it, it might be the only way. It really right. might be the only way. Because right. there's the kids so in the back fighting. Far you need mom and dad to come in and be like, shut the hell up. This is what it is. But it's not even like they're bickering over small details. Sure. I mean, they are, to me at least, maybe I'm exaggerating. And I know you would tell me if I was. <laughs> I think they are so far apart. When one side says, we will play 114, and the other side says, no, you'll play 50. Like, that is... Yeah, 50 is like a third of the season. 114 is like two-thirds of the season. Okay? Yeah. You know, we're talking about 33% difference. I, I, You're right. They are light years apart. Okay? But the part I appeal to, and that's why I talk about the formal process and all, is it seems like, Kevin, back in March, they already created the fail-safe for the bitching and moaning that's happening now, right? They, they're like, hey, we're going back and forth. But it seems like in March, they entrusted the commissioner that if this were to happen, this is kind of like plan C. And we actualize this, give us a chance to figure it out. But if we can't, this is what goes down. And so, you know, it just sounds like that's, you know, that's being triggered right now because they can't mm -hmm. figure it out. And so, oh, we now go with this. You know, it's interesting, Kev. You you know, we were going back and forth with the idea of the confidence, right? And at one point, I asked you, the confidence in what exactly, right? Because <laughs> if the question is, are you confident that there'll be a season? I am. And, and, and the fact that this is a kind of caveat or the footnote that if they can't figure it out, well, Manfred just says, here's the answer. Mm. Ultimately, that gives me confidence that Maybe it'll be acrimonious. Maybe it won't play out yeah. well, but we have this kind of uh, fail safe. We have this kind of, you know, like in case of emergency, break open glass, the glass. And that's that, you know, man will do this. Yeah. And maybe it's an emergency that necessitates it and it looks really bad. But ultimately, it sounds like we'll have players on the field. So let me let me ask you this, right? Yeah. And this is a, like legitimately me asking you to explain something to me, Go right? Ahead. Why does Rob Manfred not tell the owners to turn the books over to the players? Is it simply because he, he essentially works for them? Because that to me seems the hang up of all hang ups. Yeah. Is that they're like, we can't pay you this. And the players are like, that's not true. Right. And if they're not going to hand that information over, then the players are not going to believe them. And I just, like, why would Rob Manfred, to me, if I'm, or even if you're Rob Manfred, right. I'd be like, okay, give them to me, and I'll decide what's real and what isn't. And maybe that's what's happening. You know, maybe that's what's happening. Because remember, even with Adam Silver, right? It was like, right. give me all your input, and then I will decide, right? right? Maybe, and that's why I've been staying for weeks now. I think... I think the biggest difference is not necessarily the tone that you're talking about. I think the biggest difference here for Major League Baseball, and you've heard me say this before, Kevin, is we are seeing how the sausage is being made, okay? All this yeah. stuff is out in public, the back and forth, the comments. And just because we don't hear about them in the NBA or in the NHL doesn't necessarily mean that it's not happening or that it's, you know, kind of maybe not as nice of a tone at the negotiating table that we don't hear about. We're hearing about it in baseball because Blake Snell pops off. We're hearing about it in baseball because Max Scherzer says something, you know, out there. In three weeks, 
you know, maybe Chris McCollum is going to be like, whoa, 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 this doesn't work for me. You know, I mean, you know, CJ, I don't know, right? But I think that is kind of the difference. And I want to add something else to it, Kev, because we're going to see what happens on Major League Baseball, right? Whether it's they start early, you know, we thought that baseball would have an opportunity mm-hmm. to go first, right? And that the entire month of July would, in essence, be baseball happening as the only game in town, right? We've talked about that and the value. You know, we talked about the women's soccer league, right, being out there first, what UFC is getting now for being the only game in town, Mm -hmm. the amazing uh, interest in the NFL draft when nothing else was going on. We thought that baseball had a chance to seize the day, right, and be the only thing in July. Well, now, you know, we don't know if this is going to come to pass, but we're also hearing, Kevin, there's another league that it looks like has come to an agreement mls soccer team american soccer the biggest league in this country they have said that they now have a deal again it's on the kind of fun logistical aspects about it right just like how the nhl has 24 teams in their playoffs it looks like uh the mls is going to resume their schedule but with a tournament in Orlando. You like this? I mean, it looks like they've got a deal. They're going through. And it looks like they're talking about starting late this month, Kevin, in the late June. So now baseball may have pissed its chance away yeah. to be the only game in town and reap all the benefits. And it looks like MLS is ready and rushing to try to fill that void. You want to talk about an opportunity. Yep. Talk about the MLS, okay? That's right. When the KBO came around, everybody's like, I'm picking That's my team. Right. I'm rolling with you. MLS is legitimately gaining, yeah. like on the NHL and other sports, to be like the right. third or fourth biggest sport in this country. Absolutely. And, and people are also now being drawn towards Bundesliga. Right. So now give them teams they can root for. That's right. In their actual cities, and teams are going to be pulled in. They're, they are. And the thing is, don't worry about asterisk stuff. Like, you're not the NBA. No right. one cares. Give us the most fun thing plausible. I think you told me before when we had talked briefly on some MLS uh, that they maybe played a couple of regular season games. They, they did. They two, like two. Right? They had, like, got off the ground a little bit. Yes. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just even if you literally say we're all the teams, we're doing a postseason tournament and we're going to crown uh, a, a cup champion. Right. What a great opportunity for you, right. because if you think just because we've been told the NBA starts July 31st right. means that we are now. Oh, cool. I don't need sports until then. No, no. I've been trying to not acknowledge the fact that all of this good news is two months away. I've been trying to pretend <laughs> that the NBA starts tomorrow right. in my you mind. You KBO and Bundesliga and UFC right. until then, apparently. Right. Like, but the thing is, it, the, the chance for MLS here is honestly maybe bigger than even baseball. Because baseball is what baseball is, right? Yeah. But the MLS right. is still— It has its fan base, just like our president. Right. Where I think that you're going to see MLS I... continue to push up as soccer continues to push yes. up. And as much as it's easy for people to say I'm a Manchester United fan, I'm a Real Madrid fan, they also do want to have their home allegiances, right? I mean, there's a reason why the Garden still sells out all the time. People want to have their home teams, and they want to back them. So I think of this as such an opportunity for yeah, the Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, 
I'm an example of something you're just describing, Kev. Uh, my favorite team in MLS is NYCFC. They were an expansion team. They started about four or five years ago. I was just starting to get on soccer, right? But, oh, brand new team that plays in Yankee Stadium, repping NYC. I like the Baby Blues, and I'm now a legitimate fan mm -hmm. of this team. I, I go and watch them. I follow them on TV. That's appointment television when I watch them. You're absolutely right. Baseball is kind of stuck in its ways, whatever it is, you know, whatever kind of share of the Q rating it gets, it gets. MLS is moving on up. It has momentum already. And, you know, getting more eyes to the set here. If they've got a month where they're the only game in town, it could be a huge benefit for them. I do want to ask you, though, one of the things I saw, okay, yeah, they're going to have this tournament. Cool. The other thing I saw, though, Kev, you know where this tournament's going to be? It's in Orlando. Okay, and what I don't understand here is if we're all supposed to separate and whatnot, if this is happening in Orlando, isn't the Eastern Conference playoffs maybe also happening in Orlando? Isn't Orlando also one of the sites that the NHL is talking about? Don't they also, you know, like, they can't all go to Disney World, can they? So, I mean, the NBA playoffs are going to be in Orlando. Like, it's in Disney World. That's what it is, right? Okay. So that's where they're going to be. Now, do they have soccer fields? Probably. Do they have enough rooms there to There is accommodate? Orlando FC in the, you know, in the league, obviously, yeah. so they have home stadium right there, but they can't do it all in one stadium. It has to be some oh. kind of complex that fits it all. For I don't sure. know, but it's just weird to me that, like, that'd be like if all four leagues are saying, yep, we're going to Vegas. It's like, well, Vegas can't handle them all. I got to say, Dan, I don't know if you saw this little uh, piece that was mentioned in the NBA report, yeah, um, which was reported by Ramona Shelbourne and Woj that mm -hmm. the players are going to be allowed to golf and eat at restaurants, the open-air restaurants, in the Disney World. In Disney World, right? Okay. It is legitimately going to be its own society. Right, it's the Truman really, Show. It is, it for weeks. I know you have. Without, <laughs> and I, and not that I've never doubted, I never doubted yeah. you on that, but when you see that, it's like, they're really mm -hmm. going to live in a bubble. Yeah. From yeah. now until October. Yeah. And like... That's why there's the question of the wow. family members coming in, right? And yeah. that's another thing, because you can't be away from your family for that long. It's going to be very interesting, and we're going to talk about it. But we got a jam-packed hour number two, UFC 250, Bundesliga card, and we have friends of the show coming in to talk about it. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.